everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Premier League podcast here on FanRag Sports. My name is Sebastian Oren. With me is Elliot Niblock and Polly Quistel. We got another international special for you here as the Confederations Cup and the under 21 Euros are underway. We'll also delve into some transfer rumors and whatnot from the Premier League. And hold on to your butts. Because we might have something big brewing. We'll see. I can't wait to hear Paul's take on that. But, you know, that's for later. We'll start with the Confederations Cup here. We've had the first um, round of games here. In the uh, opener, Russia defeated New Zealand 2-0. Thanks to an own goal and uh, one tally from Fyodor Smolov. And uh, I know, Elliot, you and I spoke about this Russia being sort of an unknown. But mm-hmm. at, against a 95th ranked New Zealand, it, it looked decent. Yeah, I mean, but again, there's the you already said the caveat that has to be said, and that's pretty much all there is to say. I mean, I think that the they could not have hoped for a better opening to their quote unquote competitive build up to the World Cup. Now, how competitive the Confederation Cup is, I don't know. Depends on your team, but it's. I mean, I'm. It, I have to admit, before we get any deeper into this tournament, I'm going to be completely honest and say. I have relatively little interest in the Confederations Cup, and yet, if the U.S. were competing in it, then I would be over the moon about it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest. I don't know if that makes me a hypocrite. Maybe not, since I'm at least admitting it. But I'm just at least fiercely partisan in it, and just like, eh, I'll, I'll watch it occasionally if it happens to be on. But well, I mean, I, gotta... I think that's everybody. <laughs> no, I mean, I still enjoy watching it, but it has clashed with some of the under twenty-one. Euro games, and I've been watching those instead of watching the Confederations Cup. See, I'm not. I mean, I'm the opposite. I I don't really give a crap a hoot about the uh, the Confederations Cup. In the same way, they don't really give a hoot about the Euros. I mean, I don't have a vested rooting interest in the Euros. I just, I just, you know, I I always root for England when they play, just because I always have, and I have friends that live in England. And and last year, I was like, well, this France team is exciting and fun to watch, and you know, now it's like, oh, this Germany team is probably going to be exciting and fun to watch because uh, they have a lot of attacking talent and they don't really play defense. Yeah, so that'll be fun. But, you know, it's it's the same way. And I, I like it because it's it's there. It's on. Uh, it's, <laughs> but it's like the daytime TV equivalent to football. Like, I like it because it's there. <laughs> it's well, no, that's that was because. Today, when the game ended and I flipped over to the second half of the England uh, U21 game, and I told my friend about it, and I I just looked at the England team, and I went, this U21 team is not exciting at all. And he just went, I need live sports right now, so I'm going to watch it. And I went, yeah, that's the U20. That should be the U21 tagline. It's the U21. (laughs) It's because you need some live sports right now. Like, oh, like, you know, not daytime, not – uh, bad live sports during the daytime is better than no live sports during the daytime. Well, again, yeah, exactly. Just like General Hospital isn't going to just clean up at any major award shows. But, you know, if you don't have new Game of Thrones and you're awake and home and sipping coffee and got nothing else to do, eh, why not? Well, right. Like, I've watched some really crappy college basketball because it was on at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, in the other game in Group A, Portugal and Mexico played a 2-2 draw after a late equalizer by Hector Moreno. Uh, this was a good game, though. This was a good game. I mean, poor, I feel like Portugal should have closed it out, though. I mean, yeah, having the lead twice, I mean... Hi, hi, says everybody who watched any Portugal game over the last year. Yeah. Well, they've been pretty good at suffocating games, though. They... Seb, they they ha- like I mean other than World Cup qualifiers they haven't they haven't won a game in uh, uh they haven't won a tournament game in ninety minutes since when uh, like Euro twenty twelve <laughs> yeah that's pretty bad like yeah. that's that see that's my problem with the Confederations Cup is. First and the other reason that we're interested in this is because it's it's like the dry run for Fox. Uh, we're we're trying to find out are you guys gonna suck at doing the World Cup? And all the early answers are absolutely because <laughs> they're talking to us like we're idiots, and they're they're like trying to promote. I mean, I understand that they have to promote it because they have to promote it because they paid all this money for it and no one cares about it. But at the same time, like. You don't even care about it because you have a bunch of blowhards in your studio in Los Angeles that are clowns, essentially. And then you have a three-person team in Russia who you go to for like 15 – like why would you send Kate Abdo to Russia to have an on-site studio when you use her for like 15 minutes? Mm-hmm. And then they they just seem to harp on these on these narratives – that aren't really true, but are the ones that like try to sound sexy. You know, they were trying to sell this game as Chicharito versus Ronaldo, as if those per- people are even remotely in the same category, which is laugh out loud funny. Yes. But then after the game, after the game, they were just trying to sell it as, oh, well, the big story, the big shock here is that Russia is leading the group after a game. Like, how is that shocking? Look at the, look at the schedule. Mexico plays their first game against Portugal. Mexico is not a bad team at all. You know, they're better than the U.S. Uh, the U.S., we really try to downplay that, and we really try to convince ourselves that we're better than Mexico. Mexico is better than us. We're not even really on the same level. We're getting there. Christian Pulisic is helping that out, but we're really not on the same level. Portugal is wildly overrated, and the U.S. media loves talking about how good Portugal is, forgetting the fact that they're actually pretty terrible. I mean, going into the World Cup last uh, in 2014, they, they just talked about how the U.S., oh, it's such a challenge because we can't beat Ghana and Germany's really good. And, oh, Portugal's number four in the world. And it's like, dude, Portugal barely qualified for the World Cup. Yeah, and they we would have the... beaten them in that match in the group stage were it not for a last-moment lapse of defensive concentration. Not only would we have beaten them, that's the best game the U.S. have played in the last three years. Yeah. They dominated that game. Yeah. And Portugal, but that's not, like, Portugal, the best the best way to describe Portugal is they're, like, the 2004 Cleveland Cavaliers, but, like, with the 2015 version of LeBron James. You know, that's all they are. They're Ronaldo and then a bunch of players who aren't even close to his level. And at at the beginning of the game, when Fox was going over the lineups, they said, oh, they have that right next to Ronaldo is that creative wizard, Nani. And I was like, that's either an indictment on Fox's knowledge of how good Portugal are, or it's an indictment on how bad Portugal are. Because, 
you know, Nani has the name recognition because he was a squad player for, for Manchester United when Ronaldo was dragging them to Champions League finals. Now he's playing for a mid-table club in Spain. You know, they have a couple of other guys that you've heard of. You've heard of Jao Moutinho, and you've heard of a couple other guys. But the reason that you've heard of them is because either you or your friend were playing FIFA and using Portugal because they wanted Ronaldo. You know, like, all those guys are from nowhere. So to think that Mexico wouldn't be able to get a point against Portugal is incredibly naive. To think that the Russia versus New Zealand game would end in any way, shape, or form other than a Russia win is even more naive. Yes. So right after the right after one game, the, the table looks exactly how it should. Yeah. I mean, I it wouldn't surprise me if Mexico would have won that game either. Right. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me if one of those two teams came out with three points. But yeah. one point was pretty fair especially when like they're gonna the u.s media is going to play up the fact that portugal are the european champions but let's not forget they were the most negative european champion to since ever greece exist. since yeah, greece but greece won a game yeah greece won a game in they 90 minutes so portugal didn't you know port and i i i bet on portugal to win the game and then i went why did i do this like they haven't won a game and god only knows how long mm-hmm <laughs> Yep, we'll see how they fare in their next game. Portugal takes on Russia on Wednesday, uh, while Mexico takes on New Zealand. Uh, that game is in Sochi. So a bit of a travel for them there, but it's all right. Group B, Cameroon suffered a 2-0 defeat to Chile. Two late goals in this one by Vidal and Vargas. But, uh, Elliot, we said that Chile were the favorites. Mm-hmm. And might have taken a little bit longer than we thought for them to break through against Cameroon, but they pulled out a win. Yeah, I mean, I was honestly surprised that they didn't just run away with it, but also that doesn't mean that they aren't still, in my opinion, the favorites to win the whole tournament. And then Germany picking... I mean, you you remember, you want to play yourselves into a tournament. You don't want to start... You don't want your best game to be the first game. Remember, Portugal did that last year. You know, they yep. played their way into it. They kept drawing until they finally won one. Yep. But then, on the other side of that final, France played their way into the tournament. They started out a little slow. Remember those first two games in the Euros, Dimitri Payet had to bail them out yes. mm-hmm. um, twice. And then, you know, by the then in the semifinal, they were blowing the doors off of Germany. Mm-hmm. And remember when Dimitri Payet was a thing? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it can, uh, it can switch quickly. I, I, my friends and I were talking today. We were trying to name Germany and French, like how you would line them up in like a best 11. Like if you wanted them to go all out attacking, like this is the 11 that I'm going to throw out on the field, you know, so that we could play the most attacking style football. Dimitri Pia was like such an afterthought. No one even considered yeah. that. Yeah. I honestly haven't kept up on him too much since his return to Marseille. Um, I don't think he's played for France since November. Hmm. Yep. Germany, though, they took a 3-2 win over Australia. Goals by Stindl, Draxler, and Goretzka. Um, it was a little bit closer than I thought it would be. I, I thought Australia represented themselves well. Yeah. I had Germany winning this mm-hmm. game by at least two goals. 
but you know I mean they they're they're out there with what is a glorified U23 team. Yeah. They're trying to they're trying to play their way onto the World Cup team for next year. Mm-hmm. So so yes, the the squad selection is questionable is weaker, but every player is going all out in this in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course they are. I mean, like you said, it's a chance for them to sort of say, hey, make sure I at least get a squad place uh, next summer. The squad place, I think Julian Draxel would start. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Draxel would be one of the few ones. Um, maybe Mustafi. Um, I don't know who else would really. They are missing some of their best players and not in, and not like, oh, like they're missing Ozil and, and uh, you know, those guys. But like, you know, they... Julian Weigel would be there if he were mm-hmm. healthy. Uh, so they are missing that. That's kind of her. And Julian Weigel will probably be a starter at the World Cup next year. So it's interesting. It's interesting to watch them. I love how you've managed to sh- to totally not like gloss over the biggest story out of these first games. Oh, do tell. The horrific video assistant review or referee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's been bad. I mean, they're trying it out. At least they're doing it in this tournament and not when it's something really on the line. This is the tournament of champions, Seb. There's a lot on the line. Yeah, I mean, you can you can keep saying that till the cows come home. I still think this is a bogus tournament. It, all right, but will it not look impressive when Chile win it and then win the World Cup next year and they win trophies four straight years? If you put it into a bigger context, then yes, maybe. But at the same time, it's not like you're not talking about. Well, maybe Foxwood, but no one else is going to be like, oh, and here comes the reigning Confederations Cup champions, Chile. They're going to be like, no, I don't know. They no. Used to, they they're used gonna, to talk about that with Brazil. They're going to be like, no, it's the Copa America winners. Well, yeah, but. It'll be mentioned. No, oh no, that's not true. If Chile win this win this tournament next summer, that's all they'll talk about is is Chile have won trophies in the last three years. They say yeah. they won the Cup of America, is, then they won the Cup of America again, then they won the Confederations Cup. I mean that, and to be fair, that actually is maybe part of the reason that Chile have fielded such a strong squad because it is extremely rare in which like that's something that a national team can even do. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the reason that they're fielding such a strong squad. I mean, they want this. They, they, oh, and again, when you come from outside of of Europe, because, I mean, yes, the um, I will say the Copa America has stature, but then again, Brazil always takes the Confederations Cup seriously, and they always wipe the floor with everybody in it. Yeah. When you're coming from anywhere outside of Europe, there's always that stigma of we want to be able to beat teams from outside of our region. You know, that's the reason that Americans care about the Confederations Cup is because we made the final that one time. And it's pretty much our only chance to win a trophy that is contested, not just Mexico and a bunch of other teams on our home soil. So that's the, so even for Chile, you know, for any Germany, Spain, Italy, they don't really care. You know, they, they, if they win the Euros, that's almost like winning the World Cup to them. Everybody else, you know, this is a chance to prove yourself against the rest of the world. Hmm. No, I'm not saying that's not the case, but I still, if we're going to start ranking 
where the Confederations Cup slots in. I would, you know, World Cup, obviously number one. Then I would put the Euros. Right, but only so many teams could play in the Euros. Yeah. Yeah. But then I would put... It's it's a solid number four. It's a solid number four. <sighs> but I... Is it, though? I mean, yeah. I, I can almost I make an argument team, that the African Cup of Nations... African Cup of Nations, yeah. exactly. That's what I, I would say. think. I think that a team from Africa, especially a team from Africa, would want to win the Confederations Cup. I mean, obviously, if you win the Confederations Cup, that means you won the African Cup of Nations. But, you know, that is a priority for them, especially because it, they are deemed, you know, they are deemed a good continent, but like a smaller continent when it comes to, you know, playing when it comes to the world's game. Yeah. It's yeah. obviously a bigger deal in the gold cup because they make a huge deal out of it. I mean, in America and Mexico, which is, you know, the only two teams that are going to can win the gold cup. Yeah. It's, it's definitely higher than the gold cup. And it's higher than the Asian cup. Yeah. I would say it's higher than the Asian cup. Mm-hmm. Look, any team, first of all, I mean, we're talking now, we're, we're pretty much any team, if you're not the host, then you're coming from um, a federation where you obviously won your tournament. And pretty much any team that's outside of Europe or maybe South America, because Brazil's always taken this tournament seriously. Uh, granted, they're always like have a lot of pressure and they always have to win it just to show their fans, oh, Brazil's back and we're going to be ready to win the World Cup next year. Um, but all, the only team that we're talking about that isn't taking this competition seriously is Germany because every other team wants to win it. Well, yeah. Okay. I, I agree. I was going to say again, like as to your point before, what does taking it seriously mean? All those players are giving it their all, but it is, it is something of a world cup tryouts with you know, it, it's the, it's the equivalent of a club player going on loan, right? You're still playing competitive football, but like, Playing for Charlton Athletic is not the same as playing for Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal. No. I mean, here's the deal, though. Here, like, remember this. And if you can think back to think back to 2014 and watching the U.S. in the World Cup. Uh, Seb, you'll have to pretend because you weren't American back then. I was still watching the games. Don't worry. And and you didn't have a team in the tournament. I was laughing uh, at the I Believe chant. Think back to how happy you were and how much you how much excitement you had every time the U.S. scored a goal. When Dempsey opened the game against against uh, Ghana. When Brooks scored that goal. When Jermaine Jones scored that that goal against Portugal. Every time we scored a goal, how excited and how crazy you went. And then the following year, you know, you go to the Gold Cup and you just watch us score goals like crazy. And there was no excitement at all because you were just like, this is supposed to happen. You know, winning the Gold Cup for us, it's yeah, like it's supposed to happen. We've won this. We've won it a bunch of times. You know, the Confederations Cup for so many countries is really the only chance that they're ever going to get to actually win a, a international tournament that you know, isn't just their region because things like the Copa America Centenario, those don't happen every so often. Like we're trying to make it happen again, but there's a reason that FIFA doesn't let them happen. Mm -hmm. And in the Confederations Cup right now, if you're Chile, you need to get by Mexico and Germany and Germany's U23 team. 
Like, that's not so difficult, yeah. considering that in the World Cup, you need to get by Germany's senior team, Italy, Spain, Brazil. There's so many more ways to trip up. And if you compare, especially if you compare um, this Confederations Cup to the last Confederations Cup, it's significantly weaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last one had Spain and Italy. Uh, who made it as the runners-up in the Euros. Brazil was the host, so you didn't get that walkover in Russia. So you also got Uruguay in there. That's a much more difficult tournament, with the exception of uh, 24 goals conceded by Tahiti. Yeah, Tahiti. That was unfortunate. I don't I don't see New Zealand letting in that many. No, they're, they're better yeah. than that, but... yeah. Uh, match day two on Thursday in Group B: Cameroon, Australia, and then Germany against Chile. Uh, I like that they space out the games too, so they're not stacked up against each other. I mean, I would prefer to have one each day. Again, this is the uh, you need live sports. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did that weird thing where they had one game on Saturday, two games on Sunday, and then one game on Monday. Yeah. Uh, but from here yeah, on, from from here on you out, you pushed it back. It's two games per game day, so um, yeah. Still hold Chile as the favorites. Uh, who do you think they'll take on in the final? Let's look into the crystal ball here. Uh, I'm I I want to say either Mexico or Germany. Uh, who wins that group? Russia. <laughs> no, no, I'm looking at I'm looking at both groups. Like I think I'm looking. At, I th- do we think Chile beats Mexico? Probably not, not Mexico. German probably. Yeah, I would probably. Say they probably do. Or at least a point. Um, and then they uh, they they win against Australia. Yeah, I say Chile gets the group, so they'll take on the second place team. Yeah, they'll they'll take on Russia. Do you think Mexico wins that group? Yeah, I, Portugal, be, Portugal finishes third. I think Portugal draws against Russia, but they'll beat New Zealand. So will Mexico beat Russia? Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, I I think Mexico can beat Russia, but it'll be it'll be an interesting game. You know what? You convinced me that maybe I'll carve out time in my schedule to try to watch that one. I'll just send you texts and be like, hey, watch the game. Hey, watch the game. Yeah, well, we'll see if I'm awake at Saturday at 9 a.m. These games are, they do start pretty nicely. 11 o'clock, considering that it's Russia, like we could have been looking at way earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we will be come World Cup time. Mm. No, these are going to be the same times. No, but they have more. I mean, but like there are multiple there, day, there are multiple game. match days in there, which, yeah, there will be earlier games. There will be a one earlier game, which I think is going to be at like seven thirty a.m. So like a regular Premier League slate. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a breakfast game. Yeah, That's you have fine. to remember two things. One is one is Russia is technically UEFA, so all those games are like on the standard UEFA time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two is that the that FIFA schedules these games. Uh, so that the, to maximize the amount of people around the world that can watch it. So if that means that they have to start a game like really late local time, which in Russia they do all the time. Uh, remember when United played Chelsea, that Champions League final kicked off at 10:45 local time, yeah. PM. So 
you know, and it's summertime, so and it's Russia. It doesn't get it doesn't get dark there until like eleven, eleven, twelve a.m. Uh, you know, that's a that's an area of the world that at this time of the year is looking at twenty hours of sunlight. So, yeah, they could they could start those games late and maximize the amount of people around the world that could watch it. Yep, and that's good for us. Yes. So here, here. Let's move on to the, the U.S. is going to end up at some. The U.S. is going to end up in some seven thirty game on like a Wednesday, and I'm going to be at a bar at six a.m. Yeah, being like t- trying to tell my boss, like, yeah, I'll be in after lunch today. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have a uh, bagel and a beer for breakfast. God, it'll be. Uh, I was I was down for the count after that U.S. Russia hockey game. That ended at like 10 a.m. Mm. <laughs> whole day was whole day was gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move things over to the under 21 euros. Uh, well, we've had two match days in Group A. Uh, opening game, Sweden played England. That was a scoreless draw, while Slovakia beat Poland two to one. And then match day two in that group, England pulled out a two to one win over Slovakia, while Sweden played a two two draw against the host nation Poland. After a late, late equalizer on a penalty by Poland. Not bitter at all. So, I mean, oh, that referee, Slavko Vinicic from Slovenia, I don't like you. I really don't like you. <laughs> oh, man, he was poor. He was so poor. Just, or, I mean, you can always say, like, oh, we should have had that, we should have had that, but just. For both teams, he was poor throughout pretty much the whole game. You're getting really passionate for someone that doesn't have a rooting interest in this tournament. I have a very oh, high rooting interest. Except in this American tournament. now. Oh yeah. I yeah. still have both passports, so I'm good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be super tough for Sweden to get out of this because I think you need to win the group actually to get out of this, since it's the three group oh, winners yeah, no, the and two the best, best. The two best uh, runners up. Go yeah. through. No, only the one. Oh, only one. Yes. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, but like, you know what? Good, good for them for doing that in a twelve-team tournament and not doing the uh, like the gold cup thing where it's like up oh, twelve teams and we're gonna whittle that down to eight. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, you could make four groups. I'm just saying. I think it's weird. I mean, to have, yeah, I, sixteen. I mean, you can e- do sixteen teams. Either I don't go, see why you don't. Either go down to two groups, and make it super elite. I'm fine with that too. Or make it four groups. Having three groups. That's if just you're saying weird. if you're trying to if you're trying to increase the uh, senior slate to twenty four teams because you think you have that many good teams and it's good for the development of the game, mm-hmm. then wouldn't it be good for the development of the game for the U twenty ones to have sixteen to have, teams? Yeah. To have 16 teams, but at the same time, every manager hates the fact their players are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Let's talk about the England game, though. Uh, they pulled out a 2-1 to win over Slovakia. Uh, Alfie Mawson and Nathan Redmond with the goals. Nathan Redmond with the dumbest play on that goal. I mean... Did you see it? Did you see it? He got yeah. super lucky. Yeah, it took the slightest touch on a Slovakian player. and then... That's not what it was. It's, they made a big move down into transition. He gets the ball on the left side. Two guys make runs, and it's a simple ball right to the guy who runs to the near post to let him flick it on. And Redmond did that thing where he just holds up play and, like, waits for the defenders to get set. 
And yeah, then he and cuts, cuts it back in onto his right foot. And it was, and I saw it, and I just went, you, you could do that at the U21 level. Because yep. Redmond plays in the Premier League all the time. You could do that at the U21 level. You can't do that at the senior level. Nope. And it was like, that's just, you know, he should have been punished for that. Instead, it's like, oh, I have a goal. Yep. You're not learning good habits by doing that, Nathan. That is true. That is true. Slovakia took the lead in this game, though. A uh, goal by Shrien. And uh, I, for better parts of this game, I think Slovakia looked like the better team. England had that nice period in the, you know, leading up to Redmond's goal in the second half. And then after that, it, it was like they were playing scared, basically. They were time-wasting, uh, and they, as soon as they had the ball, they just felt lost. It's hard to judge this England team because there's not a single player on it besides Jordan Pickford that really excites you or really, or really is even on the cusp of breaking into the senior team. Okay, who do we make a case for here? Uh, I mean, there's one player that you can make a case for, and that's James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, I would say Ward-Prowse. He's, yeah. he's yeah. getting to the point where like, he's not hitting the potential that we thought he was going to hit. Yeah. I mean, Will Hughes is on the scene. Will Hughes has played in every youth tournament for like the last six years. Will Hughes is like the England youth all-star who is just never materializing. Well, that's that, guy, because... that guy is linked in transfer rumors every sun, every summer, and it's like, oh, he's going to stay at Derby County this year. And, like, what's he become? Well, I mean, that's the problem, though, is that he's staying at Derby. Yeah, but he's playing. Like, he's playing. He's playing well at Derby, but he's never really making the jump for anybody to be like, oh, we should spend the money on him. No, but this, the thing is, too, though, I think that a lot of it came down to um, his injury. At the 2015-16 Yeah, he season. tore up his knee. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that could derail any career. I mean, like, it, the, the problem with the U21s, it's, you know, you're missing your best players. I mean, you're missing Deli Ali. You're missing Raheem Sterling. You're missing Marcus Rashford. You're missing all these guys. And the rest of them are, it's, it's like, it's not like watching college basketball where you're looking at these up and coming guys and it's like this is the next wave it's like no a lot of these guys are 22 23 years old already and it's like if they were going to be the next wave they'd already be there at this point yeah i mean there's a handful of younger players i think tammy abraham falls into that category he's 19 years old and you know what? i felt the same way watching the u.s at the u20 world cup this year i mean there's josh Sargent who's breaking out and, and he could be a player, you know, down the line. But at the last one we had, uh, we had Carter Vickers who was ready to jump on, you know, he's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like it, there were five or six players that had already gotten caps, you know, Emerson Hinman, Rubio Rubin, like both of them haven't exactly turned out to be great yet. Albeit they are both still very young, but there were a bunch of players in that team that, you know, Jurgen Quinsman had called in for a look. So it was like, Oh, you know, you know these guys, and they've they've played with the senior team, and and maybe something can come of it. This U twenty one, like for England, it's just like, eh, like none of these guys are really going to push the mediocre guys that are ahead of them out the door, except maybe Jordan Pickford. But there's two guys in front of him that are very good, yeah. and one guy who is not so good, who somehow has uh, owns the real estate between the sticks for England. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is so so true. Uh, and like you said, yeah, my initial, you know, when I looked at this team, it was sort of a meh. I think Abraham is the most interesting player 
since I haven't watched too much of him, and he had a great year with Bristol. But other than that, it's not like there's a bunch of unknown quantities that I haven't seen. And I think another part of it is you look at all the big teams and none of their players are there. And it's, I think that goes to show you that, you know, the big teams don't do a great job of promoting youth anymore. And the youth that they do promote is so good that they're already playing for the senior team. Yeah. I mean, Hector Bellerin is pretty much like the only guy, the only player who plays for a decent, a decent team playing in this tournament. Um, and, and other than that, it's like Alexis Sanchez, you know, look at Germany's team in the, uh, in the, in the Confederations cup, not one player comes from Dortmund or Bayern Munich and Dortmund is filled with teenagers and none of them are playing anywhere this summer. No, I mean, there's, you know, you got, if we're let's yeah, Spain, Marco Asensio. Scored a hat-trick for Spain as they took a 5-0 win over Macedonia. That was sort of a given that they would spank Macedonia. Uh, By far the weakest team in this tournament. So Spain tops Group B after one match day. Portugal took a 2-0 win over Serbia. Um, Let me get his first name right here. Gonzalo Guedes and uh, Bruno Fernandes with the goals there. Renato Sanchez. I mean, that's a good player that's in this tournament. Yeah, and you wonder why why he's not playing with Portugal. He was the second most, probably the most exciting player they had last year. Why isn't he there this year? Hasn't had a great year by Munich. He didn't play. Yeah, didn't have a great year by Munich. So, uh, but yeah. excellent, excellent uh, assist on that Fernandez goal. That was some uh, some very nice stuff. So, if we look at it though, one team of Spain, Portugal, and Germany, Italy will not make it to the semifinals. Which team do you think it will be? I don't know. If you couldn't hear me, I was playing that really small violin. Oh, <laughs> oh zing. It's a youth tournament. Stop being so negative. It's a youth tournament. Like, it's just, it's hard to get into. That's, no. Um, <laughs> group C, Germany took a 2 nothing win over the Czech Republic. Meyer and Nagbri with the goals, and then Italy took a 2 nothing win over Denmark. Pellegrini and Patagna with the goals for Italy. Italy got that big old, big old pressure on their shoulders since they are apparently the best under-21 side since the mid-90s. And, Pauli, since you weren't here last time, that team had players like Totti, Nesta, Buffon, uh, Panucci... And so on and so on. Yeah, no, there were some good teams back back in the day. I mean, that 2009 Germany team was stacked and loaded. And most of those guys won World Cups. One of them ended up playing for the U.S. It just, you know, right now it's, eh, meh. Seb is disappointed with yeah, our... I am very disappointed. I just say match day two for uh, Group B is Serbia, Macedonia, and Portugal, Spain. 
it's always a nice little rivalry there between those two nations and that's tomorrow tuesday and then on wednesday czech republic italy and germany denmark so we'll see what happens over to the premier league and yes if all the best u21 players were playing in this tournament i'd be watching well, yeah, but that's never that that's never gonna happen. Right, but if they were, and not just for England, for every team, I'd be watching. Well, there you go, federations of the world. Polly demands you to play all the best <laughs> players, even if they're regulars in the I, in the senior team. I remember watching in 2013 uh, when it was in Israel, and like David de Gea won it. Yeah. For Spain. Yeah, but at that point, he was nowhere near starting for a Spain seniors team. Yeah, but at that point, he had already won the Premier League with United. Like, he wasn't starting for the senior team because they had Casillas. Yeah. I'm just saying, things like that will happen. We'll see a good player every once in a while. And by good, I mean great. <laughs> so, let's get over to the I mean... transfer gossip. Come on. Cristiano Ronaldo returning to Manchester United. That has been the big, big headline here. Or, I mean, potentially returning back to Old Trafford. Big old uh, article by Sky Sports here, among others. Uh, Ronaldo was um, accused of tax fraud in Spain by a Spanish prosecutor. Uh, Between 2011 and 2014, he defrauded the Spanish tax authorities of 16 $0.5 $0.5 million, dollars, allegedly, through a shell company in the Virgin Islands. So we'll see what comes of that. But that has allegedly turned Ronaldo sour on Real Madrid and Spain as a nation. And now he Here's my question. Be- Here's my question. Is, does Spain, like, does Real Madrid not withhold money? Do they not withhold money in your paychecks for taxes, like the way that I have money withheld from all my paychecks for tax? Like, do they not do that? I have no idea. But then he also has money coming in from all his sponsorship deals. Maybe it's sponsorship money that he's allegedly hid in the Virgin Islands through a shell company that's named No Shirt Incorporated. <laughs> Is that what its name is? No, I know. No, idea. it's actually eight eight pack abs. Yeah, <laughs> co-sponsored by Shake Weight. Yeah, I have no idea what this alleged shell company is called, uh, but I would call it No Shirt Inc. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Florentino Perez, he was reelected as uh, Real Madrid president here today, and uh, didn't give us much info as far as the situation with Ronaldo more than. He was going to try and find a quote-unquote solution. So we'll see what happens. I think it's a long shot that he would leave. And... He's not leaving Madrid. He want, He's not getting a new – he doesn't really want a new contract either. So he just signed one, although, you know, it never hurt to give him a new one because he did just have this amazing season at his old age. He wants Real Madrid to make the bad tax man go away. Yeah. I will say this: my book does have a, a line on what is next on what his next team will be. Uh, it's called the Ronaldo Special, and there are some interesting names there. Obviously, like the first, the favorite is him not to leave Real. The next favorite's Manchester United. The next one is is PSG, and then Bayern Munich, and then 
the next two are any MLS or Chinese teams. And then it gets weird because then it's like, oh, Chelsea. He ain't going to Chelsea. Uh, Arsenal. He ain't going there. AC Milan. Mm -hmm. He ain't going to Italy. Uh, Juventus. Inter. Same thing. Like Liverpool. Trust me. He loves Manchester United. He's not going to their biggest rival. Uh, and somehow at the and Atletico Madrid, like, or no, Barcelona was up there. And then Atletico Madrid was down at the bottom as a huge long shot. And I was like, well, didn't he just say he wants to leave Spain? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he doesn't want to leave Real Madrid. He wants to leave Spain. And at the very bottom, plus 10,000 um, was Everton. And I was like, I, how are they in the, in the mix here? Unless, you know, they're, they're trying to sign Rooney and Ronaldo. That would be amazing. I, I would like to see that, though. Yeah. And I would like to see the man who actually put, like, 100 bucks down on that. I would, yeah. Well, you know, and otherwise, you know, like, yeah, I'd welcome Ronaldo back. But, like, let's not get crazy here. We, they spent $80 million on him when they bought him from us. Do not spend a cent over 35 Because you're not going to be able to sell him. Oh, Take he's going to cost, like, okay. Well, let's say he makes himself you know, impossible at real and he gets, uh, right. That's what it ultimately comes down to. Yeah. Ultimately it's going to come down to, does he want to leave? Because if he doesn't want to leave, United could call him up and they'll be like, yeah, no, you could give you give us 150 million and De Gea and we'll let him leave. And that's a no, you know, if he, if at the, if he comes back to, to camp in August and he says, no, I actually really don't want to play here anymore then we're in a different story because then it's like he needs to get the hell out and, and you're in a different time. But don't spend a lot of money on him because this isn't like Paul Pogba where I have to run out and buy a, and buy a, a shirt for Pogba and help, help us reclaim that $90 million transfer fee. Oh, Seb, do you not think that they should push the boat out for him? Oh, they should. Yeah, no, that's what I thought. They should. I don't need to run out and buy a Ronaldo shirt. I just need to open up my drawer and dig to the bottom of it. I know where it is. Yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't matter. Is. People will always buy the new jersey. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. they, also, and I just buy- think about the number of Manchester United fans who have been born and now command, perhaps not their own, but yet their parents' bank accounts who will demand to buy a Cristiano Ronaldo jersey I because will buy- they're years old. <laughs> I will buy a new shirt next year. It's going to have the number four on the back, and the name will be Dyer. Take the money, spend it on Dyer. I mean, they have the money so they can buy both. You you can buy both if you don't if you don't pay, uh, send out a remember. Real Madrid spent eighty million dollars, eighty million pounds on what twenty four year old Cristiano Ronaldo. Thirty two year old is is worth significantly less. So if you want to spend thirty five million pounds on him, absolutely go ahead. I will. I'll fly to Madrid and I'll pack his bags myself. No, he's he's but he's worth. If you want to spend one hundred fifteen, then then we're getting a little bit crazy. He is worth more now than he was at twenty four. No, his brand is. But like, you're not buying the brand. His brand is him. You're buying the player. The player's still and good. The player. The player's the still player world class. Isn't worth as much. The, the play- player isn't worth as much. It's the whole package. They need someone now that Slatan left. And Ronaldo would tick right, off but all I've those seen, boxes. I've seen people come in. I've seen people come in that do nothing but score goals outside of England, and they they score a good amount of goals. Well, here's also the thing, and this is what I'd be concerned of. Ronaldo was so good at the end of the year because him and Zidane worked out a plan where it's. 
you know, they would rotate him out of the squad. He'd be left out of certain games, especially in March and in April. He sat out a lot of away games in La Liga, even though Real were in the heat of a title race. He still sat those games out because you don't need Ronaldo when you travel to Malaga. You don't need him. Malaga? Jose, Jose or Real Batiste. You know, Jose Mourinho doesn't know how to rotate the goddamn squad, and you're not in a. You're going to be competing with Chelsea and Manchester City, uh, and then a bunch of other teams for the top four. United aren't going to have that, so who knows? Maybe he's burnt out by March or April because they won't have the chance to keep him fresh because Jose Mourinho, who claims he was going to rotate the squad this year and keep Zlatan fresh, threw him out there every single time that he had the opportunity to. True. But you don't and have to. The you... only time he rested him was in the Europa League, which he's not going to be able to do that. You know, in the Europa League group stage, he can't do that this year because he's in the Champions League. Yeah. But you can not play him in the League Cup, not play him in the FA Cup, and then manage his minutes. If you're up to nothing in the 60th, sub him off. Right. Well, we said they should do that with Zlatan all the time last year. He never did. Well, that's on Mourinho. I'm right. saying, that's I'm why saying, I, that's why I'd be concerned about Ronaldo coming. You know, I wouldn't, in his best season here, he scored 42 goals, which is like his worst season at, at Real. I wouldn't come in here and expect him to, to, to get 40 again. No, but do you, it's a significantly different league. Yes, it is. But if he can get 30, it's still going to be good enough. Right. But now, oh, so now we should pay 110 million for 30 goals. Yes. 30 league goals. He's worth it. The whole package is worth it. We spent $30 million just, on Van Persie, and just, we got 30 legals out of that. Just imagine, that was fine. Just imagine what magic Woodward could work on the sponsorship front if they brought back Ronaldo. I, I'm aware of that. I don't Oof. really care about the sponsorship front other than the fact that it lets us overpay for players. It would be like, hey. Well, yeah, but you care about that. Yeah, it would be like, hey, I guess what? I, I, Manchester United's new underwear sponsor, Calvin Klein. Can we go back to the days where we, like, just developed superstars? Like, you know, we're trying to make Jesse Lingard out into something that he's completely not because he's a homegrown guy. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so would Ronaldo actually count towards the homegrown quota? No, we bought him when he was 17. Mm. I don't – he didn't come from our academy. Okay, okay, okay. Hmm. Oh, then we got Conte closing in on a new deal with Chelsea. Uh, he has two years left on his current deal, but they want to give him a little pay bump after winning the title and being an overall amazing human being. Very happy, very passionate. Uh, rumors are that he will earn between 9.5 and 10 million pounds a year, making him the best paid manager in club history. Uh, there were some speculations that Conte would leave and return to Italy uh, he was linked with Inter Milan for some reason, but uh, everything is supposed to be uh, hunky-dory now, and his wife and daughter will move to London to live with him. So, he was never gonna leave. I I, I honestly don't think so either. It's like what? Oh, cool, new contract. You're the manager at Chelsea. You're either gonna retire or get fired. Like. <laughs> new contract yeah, that's. I've got to agree with that one. Yep. And then, speaking of high-priced strikers, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Manchester City are closely monitoring the Borussia Dortmund striker. And again, where does he play? 
<laughs> How many shiny toys can you buy? Well, I mean, for some reason, they seem to not love Sergio Aguero anymore. Right. Like, why? Why not? Why don't you love him? <laughs> is he too injury prone, perhaps? I don't know, but when he is hurt, you you have Kelechi Ihinacho and Well, apparently not. They don't they don't want to keep Jesus. him. They don't want to keep Ihinacho. They can't keep him. He has to leave because he wants to play because all the guy does is score. <laughs> He's still on the contract. You could just be like, you're on the contract. It sucks to be you. He wants to leave. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see here. Yeah, PSG had apparently bid sixty million pounds uh, for the Gabon international, but that deal fell through, and now City are sniffing up that tree, and apparently Liverpool too. So, I mean, I, I could see. I could see him joining City, though. I don't really see him joining Liverpool. And especially if you decide that, hey, you know what, Aguero, you're too injury-prone, we're going to send you either back to Atletico Madrid or wherever, really. They're going to get some good money off of that that they can then just reinvest in Aubameyang. Not that they need that money. So, um, I mean, where, Polly, you actually watch this player quite a lot. Where would you rank him as far as strikers go in Europe? 42 goals for club and country last season. Oh, he's really good. <laughs> really good. Yeah. He's really good. Cause he's like the whole package. Cause he can, he can play. I mean, he's not one that'll drop deep, uh, which is good. He's not one that'll drop deep. To like get the ball and try to make things happen, he lets his midfielders and everything and everybody do that. But he's very good in the box with his head, and you know he can, he can give you the acrobatic goal. And then of course he's just faster than everybody else, so you could play him through the channels. He's really good. Top ten, mm-hmm. top five. Oh, he's he's like a, yeah. No, I mean when it comes to strikers, I. Well, here's the question: When it comes to strikers, where where are we considering Messi and Ronaldo? Strikers. We're considering them strikers, even yes. though Messi plays out wide yeah, these days. Yeah, we're they're strikers. Yeah. So it goes Messi, Ronaldo, are one and two. Mm-hmm. Lewandowski, uh, he's right up there with Lewandowski. You know, it's him. It's Messi, Ronaldo, Lewandowski, Aubameyang, Aguero, Suarez. That's the top group. Mm, pretty good, pretty good list of players right there, and it seems like he's the. The one that's available there, so we'll see. Um, who's in the pipeline, though? Let's say I mean, he might... just beat out Lewandowski for the. Yep. He just beat out Lewandowski for the most goals in the Bundesliga this year. They've yeah. been they've been jawing at each other for like three years over that. Yeah. Which also, did you see the the kind of like pissy comments from uh, Lewandowski's agent about how Bayern didn't give him enough support to win the scoring race? Oh, what do you mean? Thomas Mueller didn't even score this year. Like, what more do you want? <laughs> no, he scored against Arsenal, but that's because, of course, he did. Yeah. Then uh, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Uh, Chelsea has reportedly joined Liverpool and Man City in their efforts to sign him. Elliot, what's going on with the Ox here? Give us some Ox news. I, I mean, I. 
it's it's hard for me to say because Seb, I know that you know we've talked about this before that you love the silly season and I just hate it. I just hate it, and so I like part of me can't be bothered to pay attention until it's actually done and dusted. But that said, I mean, I can at least speak to what I think Arsenal should do and what they should do is keep him. And, you know, if you let him go, letting him go to a premier league rival should be out of the question. I mean, you know, they talk about, or at least Wenger likes to talk a big game about how he's willing to let our megastar players like Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez's contracts run down if they refuse to resign, which based on, previous experience cough robin van percy i'm not actually sure it's true i mean that's uh, just terrible asset management if you do that though yeah it, it is but when you have a player like oxlade chamberlain who granted you know he would command a significant transfer fee especially with the inflation of english player from english to english club i still think that he's he's an asset that they should hang on to i think he finally started to gain some traction last year so we'll see do do I think he might go? Sure, he might. Do I think he should go? Absolutely not. With that, we'll wrap it up. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Paul is P. Costello, WFAN. And Elliot is Keats was better. We'll talk to you again later in the week. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you.